I want to recognize one of our sponsors. Have you ever felt like a lone wolf in life, unable to engage in chats around the barbecue since you're doing things that aren't the norm? Enter GoBundance, a place where driven entrepreneurs, CEOs, or investors who are beginning to experience an interesting phenomenon with more success in life, the feeling of a gap forming between ourselves and many of the people around us. One day, we wake up and find ourselves surrounded by people who may no longer see the world the same way we do. As the trend continues, we become more isolated and even find ourselves holding back from talking about things we are most excited about with friends, family, or coworkers. Cobundance was created for those who choose to live bigger and more fulfilled lives of impact. This tribe is for men and women who want to experience world-class adventure, bucketless trips, high-minded conversations, authentic relationships, and an environment to learn and grow with like-minded people. GoBundance is a tribe where you are able to share your successes, struggles, ambitions, and failures without being judged. It's a framework to strengthen your journey in becoming a better man, husband, father, friend, and entrepreneur. It is the place men come together to live epic lives and to grab life big. If you want to learn more, go to GoBundance.com and hit the apply button to join the tribe and tell them the Cashflow Ninja sent you. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. This is Cashflow Ninja. I'm MC Lobsher. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. I've got a great show for you. So thank you so much for spending your most valuable resource, your time once again with me. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at CashflowNinja.com. We have, boy, it's over 850 shows now uh, that you can access on your favorite podcast listening platform or at CashflowNinja.com. There is tools, resources, programs, and don't forget to grab a copy of my book, the 21 Best Cashflow Niches, Creating Wealth in the Best Alternative Cashflow Investments, available on Amazon.com or at CashflowNinja.com. When you do grab a copy, you can screenshot a proof of your purchase and send it to my team at info at CashflowNinja.com, and they will give you access to a digital version of the book, an audio version of the book, a curated library of Cashflow Ninjas, discussing the niches and more bonus goodies. By the way, I cannot think of a better time right now to learn about different cash flow niches to diversify income streams for you in times of, uh, I would say, uncertainty, disruption, and chaos. It's good to have as many different income streams as possible, uh, because if one stream goes away, you still have others. So you're not solely dependent just on one income stream. I've got a fantastic show for you today with a returning guest, David Morgan from the Morgan Report. Uh, it's great to have David back on the show. He has uh, provided so much value to our listeners and viewers every single time he's on. David, welcome back to the show. MC, it's good to be back. Thank you. 
Yeah, always have enjoyed our conversations and we always uh, get great feedback from all of our listeners, enjoying and listening in uh, to our discussions. Um, but for folks that are not familiar with you and what you do, because we've got a ton of new folks now listening to, uh, can you just please uh, share a little bit about yourself and your background and, and what you do? Sure. My main focus has been really my most of my life has been about the financial system and the problems therein, which goes directly to how the banking structure is set up. My mission statement is to teach and empower people to understand the benefits of an honest financial system. I been kind of I was kind of born almost obsessed about money. Don't ask me why; it just was in me more or less. And I really wanted to know how, as a little kid, you know, how were these skyscrapers paid for? Who who had the money to put those up? You know, my dad worked for a living. I mean, how does that happen? You know, so yeah, I had yeah. this innate curiosity, and once I discovered on my own study about fractional reserve banking and. You know, I could create a loan out of nothing and all that. It was basically a quest. Uh, in between there and now, I um, went through college, got a degree in engineering. I worked in the aircraft industry for quite some time. Always played in the commodities, had an insurance license, worked for a certified financial planner on the side, and then um, broke away from the aircraft industry. I've been on my own for decades and been in the silver market pretty much from, oh, from early on, started trading stocks when I was 16 years old. I'm a finance guy, but an alternative. Uh, I don't believe the mainstream rhetoric on almost anything. Uh, hard money guy, honest money guy. I think honest money for honest people. Let's go one more couple of sentences. Money, in a way, I thought was fit me because it transcends everyone. Whether you're in South Africa, North America, Asia, Indonesia, Alaska, South Pole, it doesn't matter. Everyone is concerned about their money. And because the whole thing is based on a scam where they, they the bankers could get something for nothing, they can print money and build a skyscraper, then we've got a real problem. And one of the phrases I coined is really not that profound, but when you can lie about money, you can lie about anything. In other words, if we worked our way into that skyscraper, worked our way into the whatever, at the benefit of all, you know, my my exchange of labor for your intellectual property, your book for my Apple, that kind of thing. Well, that'd be a different balance in the system. But there isn't. There's an imbalance in the system, as we all know, and it's worse than ever, where there's less than 1% that controls the vast majority of wealth on the planet. And that just isn't right. Yeah. And and well, well said. And I and for all of our listeners, viewers, and new listeners and viewers, the morganreport.com is where it's all at. I would highly recommend you check that out and subscribe. There's so much information shared there. Um, and, you know, you you just mentioned something. It just uh, brought a memory when I was a little kid, too. My dad, growing up in South Africa, my dad used to travel quite a bit. And I still remember when he came back and he would bring back the different currencies. And I would always ask about it. And he said, well, one, you know, Rand is worth this much and you need this amount of Rands to to purchase this currency. And it always, you know, <laughs> children are funny. My, 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 my own kids are the same. They just, they all just ask questions, basically the simple questions that we should ask, such as, but I don't understand, why do we need more of this currency to buy one of those? Like, why does that work that way? You know, so, and it's, it's the question we should be asking as, as in, in investors and, and just adults. So it just 
it just resonated with me when you said that because uh yeah, it always I always wondered that kind of stuff too. And that's kind of what what drew my interest in the world of money. And I started collecting different um, banknotes and you know. Uh, uh, as as my dad would would travel and, and bring them back, and you hit it right on the head, uh, the nail right there. With um, if we could lie about money, we could lie about anything. And this, I think, it's coming now to the surface level where most folks are starting to realize, wow, we have a problem. But there's still a lot of folks that are not there yet. So let's take a step back, big picture. Um, we had a conversation last year. Uh, I would say about third or fourth quarter, um, we're, we headed into 2022 still with um, the foot on the gas pedal with, with COVID and the COVID narrative. That quickly changed into let's cancel Joe Rogan. Just kidding. But then switched into, <laughs> switched into the narrative of, of now the, the war drums. Interestingly enough, the same narrative of COVID gave governments and central banks sort of unlimited powers the same way that a war would give them. Um, what's your take right now of, of where we are at, how these narratives sort of, as the one faded away, another one came up, and, and what, what, what do you see uh, in, in the world today with all these events playing out? I want to recognize one of our sponsors. Recently, I had a very engaging and exciting podcast conversation that is one of the most downloaded episodes of this year with my friend, Louis O'Connor. The subject was owning rare earth metals as tangible assets. It's the same paradigm as owning gold or silver, but instead you own industrial grade, high quality, rare earth metals that you are purchasing from a premier industry supplier. And the exit for the investor is also guaranteed. One of the most interesting things about this asset clause is that rare earths outperform the stock market and precious metals for the past five years. Unfortunately, there is only a limited amount available to private investors. If you would like to find out more about this exciting and limited opportunity, then please go directly to the website www.strategicmetalsinvest.com or email them at info at strategicmetalsinvest.com. Well, what I see is rather bleak, uh, at least from my perspective. Well, if, if we go back into the illness, basically all governments were cooperating with each other. So, you know, the alternative media has got several means. One of them, of course, is global governance, global government, new world order, that type of thing. So on that basis, if you look at what happened during the illness, it was like global governance. There were very few small nations that actually struck back against the global mandate. They were different in uh, different in as far as the, how onerous they were, onerous they were, but they were also uh, across the board. You know, I mean, lockdowns had different nuances to them, but there were lockdowns, that type of thing. And again, the few that lashed out, some of these people were uh, died. I mean, they were, they were taken out. And that's a fact, and you can look it up. So if you shift from there to what you just asked, BMC, we have a global governance again on this 
what's probably, unfortunately, going to turn out to be a global war. And that begs the question, and I'm still asking this of myself, although I'm starting to lean to my original Occam's razor. You know, Occam's razor is usually the most prominent, easy-to-determine solution is the solution. And when this started, I wrote my Morgan report, and in that I said it's probably the most difficult um, editorial I've ever done because I want to be as objective and factual as I possibly can. And with so much disinformation, misinformation, it's very difficult. So I took it from the approach of follow the money, and all wars are bankers' wars. And what I determined that the most likely Occam's razor approach is that the bankers are controlling both sides, like they have in almost every major conflict. So you, you know, you're on the Ukraine side and you're on the Russian side. And it's all theater and people die. I mean, I'm not making light of it. What I'm trying to point out is that. What you see and believe isn't necessarily the truth. What you see and believe is based on the amount of propaganda you're throwing at. You get enough propaganda that Russia bad from the time you get into grade school like I did, you have a bias that's built into you because everything you've been taught since the time you're six years old till you get out of high school at 18 or you know you get your master's degree at 24, whatever it is, is this underlying set of ideas that Russia's bad. The communists are bad. They're going to take over the world. We've got to defend about them. We've got, the only reason we have nuclear weapons is because they do, and blah, 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 blah. So I think that's probably the case. Now, there is part of me, and I guess it's hopium. Maybe it's the American or the uh, never-ending optimism that some of us have that perhaps this is an internal fight against the banking cabal. But the longer I go, it's hard to make that case. Uh, the destruction of the current system is inevitable. And because of that, if the powers that be can control both sides and more or less have a controlled demolition, like Building 7 and on the 9-11 fiasco, and pretty much take it down the way they want and have a solution, you know, the David Icke problem, reaction, solution. You got a problem, world currencies are you know, going away, uh, what's reaction? What do we do? Oh, my goodness, what do we do? Cryptos, oh, no, we do gold, silver. No, wait a minute, we do real estate. No, wait a minute, we do stocks. Oh, well, we bought They're all running around. What's the solution? Problem, reaction. And the solution is Big Daddy will take care of you. All we have to do is get these cryptos in line with our regulations, put out a global or probably it will start with a na nation state uh, central bank digital currency. Don't worry, we've got all under control. Here's your solution. Get in line, take your mark, line up, and don't question anything. Oh, by the way, we really care about you so much that if you have a different thought process than what we tell you to think, you can't get in line. You can't get your food. You've got to go with the narrative that we have or else you're exempt. You're, you're outside the system. And that's about as basic as I can make it, MC. It sounds harsh because it is harsh. And war is horrible. And, you know, I put up a Twitter feed and quoted, you know, one of my heroes, Ron Paul. And I just did one this morning from Lou Rockwell. I mean, why is America even in this war? If this is a conflict between Ukraine and Russia, let it be a conflict between Ukraine and Russia. Why does Canada have to send munitions? Why does the U.S. have to be involved? Why does anyone have to be involved? And I don't have a lot of solutions, but I, you know, coming back and taking a deep breath because I am upset. Is unfortunately, I see it probably as uh, as a huge detriment to humanity 
and it could have been prevented. It could be stopped right now, really, but it won't be. I don't think. Yeah. No. Well said. I had this. I had similar thoughts when I heard all of this, and the you know the the all the red flags were there initially. A lot of emotion, uh, a lot of visual sort of uh, uh, optical stuff that drives emotions from folks. Um, and I thought to myself, wow, I've seen this movie before. So let's take a step back and start and just realize that number one, the first casualty of war is the truth. Right. So whatever you're getting from uh, Ukrainian sources, from Russian sources and from Western sources, it's all just information warfare. Now yeah. it's everybody trying to get a better footing and position themselves in the marketplace of ideas. Um so that 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 was initially my first reaction. And then the second thing to your point is you look at who benefited from, for example, the last 20 years in the Middle East that the U.S. was there uh, and Afghanistan and Iraq and, and so forth. Well, of course, the, the, the bankers and it was essentially, as Julian Assange has pointed out, um, uh, th that's why he is where he is, but he pointed out that this is basically a money laundering operation where the tax base gets tapped out, taxpayer money is fun funneled to weapons contractors through these wars. And essentially, that's what NATO has been doing all along, all these years. Um, so this is great for them to up, uh, up uh, and increase their budgets, even if it goes away for, for if it stops today. They're still gonna still gonna win, right? Because they're still gonna increase their their budgets. Um, so you look at all of that. I mean, again, like all wars, it's 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 the people that lose out on both sides: the Russian folks, the Ukrainian folks, all the other just people just trying to build great lives for themselves and their families, and and work hard, save a little bit of money, enjoy some of the the, the finer things in life. Um, and then the other thing that you just mentioned. That then started to to grab my attention was if it's all misdirection and misinformation and there's there's a lot of just uh, uh, um, it's just the fog of war. You don't know what's going on, but you can see some themes. And oh, boy, did we see themes come out. And again, it's the the, the monetary side, the angle, as you just pointed out. So the sanctions go in. First, it's right at the heart of 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 what the, the the global financial system, where essentially you are targeting uh, the Russians through the SWIFT system, which there's already a SIPS with them and China, uh, Visa and Mastercard. They already have Union Pay already set up and running. Uh, now you're freezing assets of people all over the world and oligarchs and freezing crypto accounts on Coinbase with from from Russian folks again, which probably have nothing to do. They might not even agree with the, the actions of their government. But they're they're you know they're collateral damage at this stage, um, and then you also start to see, as you mentioned, you know all of a sudden the U.S. signs an executive order. Hey, we have to look at cryptos. Oh, by the way, we have to explore <laughs> explore CBDCs, not knowing that most people in the crypto space already know since 2016, MIT's been working with the Federal Reserve Bank up in Boston, um, working on. Uh, a, a project of central bank uh, digital uh, digital currencies. Uh, so you start to see these these themes coming out. And now just recently, I think it broke like in the last couple of days 
where he, he, on the Ukrainian side, they said, well, you know, we we have to look at a universal basic income type of model for our citizens. And um, we will have to get a social credit score because if there's undesirable characters, they might not want to be a part of it. So you're starting to see all of these things that we actually spoke about the, uh, the previous time really coming out. What is what is your take on this reordering? It's almost like the, uh, you know, the Bretton Woods 3.0. If you think of 1971, August 15th as, as Bretton Woods 2.0, right? I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors. One of the best cash flow niches might surprise you. It's the cash flow machine called Resort Hospitality. Our friends and partners, Melanie and Josh McCallan from Accountable Equity, are so prolific at creating cash flow for their investors that I had to include them twice in my book, The 21 Best Cash Flow Niches. Something that really impresses me about this dynamic group is that more than just creating cash flow, with these historic trophy resort properties, they are also creating a powerful investor community with an accountable equity. Investors not only get to enjoy cash flow from beautiful resorts, but can enjoy the resorts and attend Learn and Grow Investor Summits, where like-minded accredited investors gather to learn from keynote speakers, as well as get updates on their projects and meet the growing team that makes all of this possible. You can learn more how the asset clause of resort hospitality is a great way to diversify your multifamily investments by downloading the ebook, The 10 Steps to Build Wealth with Resort Hospitality Assets at accountableequity.com. Right. Well, I think you did an excellent job. I'll try to add a little color MC to what you said. So go back to the premise, you know, problem, reaction, solution. Well, the problem was Russia. Okay, that's what we're told. I'm not necessarily agreeing with that, but let's just start with that premise. Problem is Russia. Uh, reaction, uh, cut them out of the SWIFT system. We had to punish them. Those nasty Russians started this war and brought in, the, you know, okay, problem, reaction is solution. Well, now that the economy is being destroyed, which it would have been anyway, but now we have the big excuse, it's the Russians, it's the war, it's this, whatever. Then the solution is, well, if we go to a global currency, that it's, man, you know, that it's for everyone. And if you can't work, that's okay. You get a universal basic income. If you're this, you're that. As long as your social credit score is good, then we have a solution and you're going to love it. Oh, and by the way, don't worry. You don't have to worry about those nasty rent payments or mortgage payments or car payments. You don't own it. We do. And we'll just rent it to you. And if you have enough in your, if you are a good boy or girl and your social credit score is high enough and you don't use too much carbon, you can go where you want, when you want. But if you're not in line, well, too bad. And that's kind of just adding in, throwing in a little bit of color to what you just said. And this is the direction that we're headed. There's a little doubt in my mind. And Again, I will say um, there is that little bit of me that says maybe there's something else going on besides this, but it doesn't look likely. Yeah, it, it, you know, and, and one of the things that I always thought about is when folks brought up this concept of a social credit score, sort of the Chinese model, I always thought that's going to be really, really difficult to pull off in the West. Very difficult. That was my that was my right. original thought. And then I started to see this ESG, this scores with with corporations. And then I'm like, oh, wow, this is 
I mean, this is now the the big push and everybody is kind of in line with it. And uh, these corporations are now being graded on their environmental and social impact and their their governance. And that was sort of normalized and and it's getting more popular and more popular. Uh, Well, in in the mainstream, obviously. And I thought to myself, wow. That was a lot simpler than what I thought. And before you know it, uh, I think it was Barclays or no, it was a, a MasterCard. My, my apologies. Rolled out this this uh, uh, this tracker or this uh, calculator where they would calculate yeah. your right. your carbon footprint. And and just like some credit cards, I think there's a service that you could sign up for. But then they they send you your billing statement every month and they send you your credit, your updated credit score. They're going to do that now. for MasterCard with the carbon. And I'm like, wow, that was, I didn't see that go so easy and so smoothly as that. Yeah, I'd like to interject a little off topic, but on the Morgan Report uh, landing page, sign up, put in your name, give me an email in case I get deplatformed or not. It's the best way to stay in touch. And then go to the blog tab. And on the blog tab, look for the series. I've got 20 uh, different uh, episodes of the crypto conspiracy. Because when you mm-hmm. talked about MIT, we dove very deep on that. I brought on several guests, and we have a direct connection between MIT and the start of Bitcoin. And what's interesting is one of the big funders and good old boys that was involved right from the get go was Jeffrey Epstein. And then there we have a thing called Graph Commons that has a uh, shout out to Graph Commons. I don't know who does their work, but they have all these vectors from a given name and how it attaches to, you know, Bill Gates, Edo, uh, you know, all these players that are in the space on, let's call it the um, Billionaire Club. So I just digress because I want your viewers to miss out on that. Uh, you might have a different take on um, on what's really behind some of these cryptocurrencies than you might have thought so far. Not too many people dive very deep. I'm not saying I'm the only one. I'm not. I'll shout out right now to uh, James Corbett, who, in my opinion, probably be number one. And that's saying a lot, but I would put him there. And I just did a Twitter today on his uh, deep dive on what's going on between Z, Putin, and the rest as far as how they're tied to the World Economic Forum and you know, as I keep reiterating, most likely both sides are controlled. It's a big theater and people die because of these globalist uh, megalomaniacs running the uh, running the system. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, and to your point, I actually just uh, watched one of his um, videos where he puts that all together. And a very James Corbett, the Corbett Report, very thorough journalist, probably one of the best in, uh, independent investigative journalists on the planet. Um and uh, I mean, just documented facts after documented facts uh, on websites of all these countries. You know, you go you could go straight to the website of the Kremlin or straight to the, the, the you know, the, the White House website and the Canadian uh, presidential website. Uh, it's all on there. So he, he really brought it all that we this could be essentially just uh, very, very coordinated because everybody essentially. Uh, is saying the same things. They have the same goals. They have the same, I mean, word for word, I believe was one of the documents. Essentially, yes. yeah. the U.S. signed a deal with Canada and the Russians signed a deal with the, the, the Chinese government. And it's word for word, the exact same language in the document that was signed by the parties in separate occasions. Exactly. <laughs> 
So, no, absolutely. And there's a, just a, so much information uh, on your website. So listeners definitely look into this. Uh, and this is and this is how we try to figure out and navigate this, because um, as you mentioned, you know, it, it, there's so many things happening in different areas um, that it's it, it's a full time job to put it all together, <laughs> navigating this for folks that are running businesses, for folks that are, that are investors and so forth. Just on a, um, a human level, obviously, people are getting quite hit pretty bad if we look at inflation, where energy comes into play. Um, and then obviously, uh, food. I wanted to talk about that a little bit, too. Um, you know, we, we heard it was, what, 7.5, says the government. Shadow stats with John Williams said it's more like 15 16%. And then um, I just printed this out because I wanted to mention this to you. Uh, you saw that um, the headline was Congress just gave itself a 21% raise, um, but it's <laughs> in the US. And essentially what they did was as part of the 1.5 trillion omnibus spending bill released, and this is last week, um, it included that the legislation would provide um, a 774.4 million for the members representational allowance known as the MRA, which I guess these are all the staffers and and people working in D.C., which essentially comes to like a 21 uh, percent um, increase over the previous fiscal year allowed for that. So you're trying to figure out what inflation is. It's probably closer to that than, you know, what uh, what the official numbers are. Um, your take on what's going on with inflation uh, and then just as far as energy and, and, and food, because that's where the majority of folks are really feeling it. I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. At The Real Asset Investor, Dave and his team bring their investors high-yield investment opportunities across several asset classes for cash flow, tax impact, and equity growth. He and his team are one of the top five ATM operators in the country, and they have an investment opportunity available to accredited investors right now in the ATM space. To learn more about their ATM funds that produce tax-free cash flow, visit therealassetinvestor.com. Yeah, and see, I mean, you already said it. The two most important things for the human being is food and energy. And of course, in the United States, those are taken out of the official consumer price index. If you're going to have a consumer price index and do it from uh, need, it would have two. If you could only pick two, it'd be food and energy. So I digress. It's uh, much worse. I have known John Williams since he basically started his website. I agree with his numbers because they aren't his numbers. They are the numbers that were calculated accurately from 1980, and he uses the same metric, so you get a better feel for what the real inflation rate is. I was on the food story pretty early. I remember doing an interview with David Dubine of the DAP 2030 from uh, Mexico, and we were just starting to get into some of his work around the solar minimum and uh, what was going on with uh, food shortages based on you know, weather patterns, changes in the sun. And climate and that type of thing. And what he brought to the fore, I didn't know. I was always learning more. I certainly, you know, have a specialty. And I'm, you know, there's areas I'm actually ignorant in. And I'll say it because I just have time to study it or don't have the time. But he brought forth that the normal food crisis increase was sevenfold. 
And that just put me back in my seat. Now, this is from history. It doesn't guarantee it's going to happen this time. But if you go, so then my question to him on this conversation, like you and I are having, was, wait a minute. If you're in Indonesia, about 40% of your budget's for food. So if it just doubled, that'd be 80% of your budgets to feed you and your family. What Does 20% pay for your heat or your cooling or your shelter or your transportation? Forget entertainment. And the answer is no. So again, that was it was a shock that it was that big of an increase. But that's across the board. I mean, average people and, you know, well, I'm upper middle class or I'm, just, I'm at the middle middle or I'm at the lower middle. It doesn't really matter. Once you get an inflation rate that's beyond uh, the ability of the majority to sustain themselves, you've got a real problem. And that's definitely a direction. I don't see any relief. Some people do. Uh, but I'm basing it more on not what the numbers say as far as how many dollars it takes to fill up your tank. I'm doing it more on how much oil depletion there is through the fracking industry, Saudi Arabia's depletion, how much is coming out of the strategic petroleum reserves. And it's a big smoke and mirrors game as far as I could tell, because basically we're running out of cheap energy. And we're also de decimated the food supply. And I think some of it, I'll look in the camera and say it deliberately. And so we have got a real problem, people, and this leads to, and I hate to even say it, but it's, you know, I have to speak the truth. It's starvation in some cases. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting that, that sticking with themes, because sometimes you could see the themes. And even if you look at Europe, where the war between Russia and, and Ukraine, you know, when I learned about the Ukraine, the first thing that I learned about was the Holodomor. And that it was the breadbasket of Europe and all of the farming there. And it was essentially, I mean, um, it was essentially, and it's one of the biggest uh, food producers in Europe still. And then you have oil and gas that plays into this and, and so forth. So it's interesting that those two themes are very big into play there. Um, and it's and it's pretty big into play everywhere else. Um, but yeah, I mean, the... Um, uh, it's we've seen what the current administration did since day one, executive order day one with the pipeline and then depleting the current oil reserves that, that the U.S. has available to. I mean, um, you know, it's pretty shocking if you if you just look at a graph of, of oil reserves, you know, um, it's uh, it's quite staggering. So, um, yeah. And, then, and to your point with with inflation, it's just. If you look at it at seven, what is it, seven and a half percent, you've basically stolen a month of people's wages. And you 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 have to still basically now you have 11 months paid to live for 12 months. And if you look at John Williams, then essentially it's going to go to 10 months. So for business owners and investors to bring that into context, that just think that there's a very large part of the population with fixed incomes that are now still living 12 months of of 10 months of income. Um, which is going to create a squeeze, as you just as I mentioned. And if there's a food crisis, I mean, this is why you have to have certain things in place for emergencies, which I believe uh, a lot of this is generated. Um, I, there's no, there, there, there comes a point in time where the, the stupidity argument of elected leaders needs to be put aside, right? Yes. No, I mean, they're paying farmers not to grow. I mean, it's all this stuff. I mean, if you and I haven't dove real deep on it, but deep enough to understand that a lot of this could be prevented. Uh, and the problem about a complex system is 
that it's complicated. I know that sounds funny, but you know, if you've got a watch, that has got a thousand moving pieces in it, you know, and two go out, you know, you got a pretty big problem finding those two, replace it or whatever. You got to watch it has three moving pieces and one goes out, you know, so you remove and replace one, you're back in business. It's a stupid metaphor, but I did it to illustrate that the supply chain breakdown becomes more and more devastating as time goes on. Because just for a quick example of one of the many uh, tangents to what the disruption could look like is you've got a number of containers and they're two months old. They finally make it into port and they're unloaded. Well, whatever was in there, only uh, 80% of it is usable. 20% is spoiled or, you know, got mold on it or whatever. So, and that's just one of many vectors that you could think about that causes things to do, be more and more disruptive. And nothing's more disruptive than the energy supply. If the energy supply is cut off, and here I'm not talking so much about gas and oil, although that could be the case, I'm talking more about electricity. So if you are in a cyber attack, cyber panic, EMP, coronal mass ejection, um, any cyber warfare like we've already experienced in different parts of the world, that would be an infrastructure problem that could be more devastating than any than than a, a bombing raid. Because if you took down the uh, ability to do transactions, which you're already doing with you know cutting Russians out of the Swiss system, and you go let's say a step or two beyond that, where you freeze the transaction from a major money center bank or the bond market won't clear for some reason, or maybe there's a currency disruption that cannot be overcome for a matter of a week or something, so no one knows what the exchange rate is, right? All these things are part of a complex system. And I just pointed out three or four areas that could have not a huge problem, but enough of a problem to disrupt one. But the point is that one leads into the next. You've got a currency that can't, uh, you know, be settled correctly because of some computer glitch or cyber attack. Well, then that affects the uh, bond market in that currency, which will affect the uh, you know swaps that are done between banks as far as interest rate swaps are concerned, which is hypothecated for somebody's loan on their mobile home. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So it concerns me. It has for years. I write about it. I don't want to be too complicated here, but I'm trying to point out that it goes deep. It goes wide. It's pervasive. It's global. There's no way out of it. I mean, unless you're a Mennonite or Amish or living in a commune or a, a, a tribal atmosphere, you're going to be affected. Yeah. Uh, very well said. One of the things that I actually spoke about um, on the show and recommended that folks do it on network earlier this year too, the key word was simplify everything mm -hmm. in your, in your business don't complicate anything because especially if you're in, in such a turbulent environment <laughs> where things are going to get wild and chaotic inside, you don't want complex systems. And to your point, when you have complex systems and one, one thing happens, I mean, the whole house of cards can come down uh, pretty, pretty quickly. And you just pointed to a cyber attack. Well, it doesn't give me warm and fuzzy feelings that they had a, uh, you know, cyber polygon exercises now, what, two or two of them, which is essentially like this, quote unquote, cyber virus that's in the Internet. And there's another exercise that have been going on uh, with, uh, I believe it's the IMF and 10 countries 
um, which includes basically a cyber quote unquote attack on the world financial system and and on banks. So um, something like that happens, pretty pretty big wild card, right? The, all these complex systems will 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 disintegrate or just completely collapse. Yeah, and then there's what's the solution? Well, the solution is we didn't know who you were, so we need a digital ID. So just give us, you know, some of your blood. So your DNA is your identification marker. Once you go down to your local post office and do a blood swab and you're uh, identified, then uh, sorry, your bank account was wiped out. But based on our latest records, we're going to give you 10% of what you had in there. And since we are controlling you, we're also going to give you this little spiff bonus of, you know, 2000 uh, Rand. Uh, to help you along as you get started. And oh, by the way, if you can't work, you're going to get a thousand Rand per month. And all you have to do is just get in line, you know, just show up and, and get with the program because we're never going to let this happen again, where the financial system gets wiped out because of, you know, this nasty whatever. And of course, they created the problem to begin with. Yep, absolutely. So the two big commodities, I mean, energy, oil, and gas, um, and then obviously food. Uh, interesting again the themes there, and I believe it was a Kissinger that said if you wanted to control nations, you control the energy and the oil, and if you wanted to control humans, you control the food. That's it. It's just interesting how these things are. These same kind of themes uh, and strategies could come up, I guess, because it works <laughs> that they continue to use it. Um, going into a different commodity market now, um, and this is this is one that I'm always excited to hear your take on. Uh, silver, gold and silver. What is going on? Um, maybe you want to talk to me, uh, to specifically to metals and then narrow it down uh, to silver. What are some of the things that, that you're seeing there? Yeah, quite interesting. It's so uh, mind boggling to look, you know, where we are and where I think we are going to go because, you know, history is replete with, you know, war and, you know, famine, pestilence, uh, all the stuff we're experiencing now, it just hasn't been where we had, you know, the amount of communications that we have now, at least not to it's what we're taught. So we're in a situation where gold has still got power. And the reason I say it is what's going on with the powers that be. If you look at what Russia and China have done in the gold market, they've basically been quietly buying gold for a very, very long time. On a per capita basis, on a per person basis, Russia, I believe, has more gold per person than anyone else on the planet. In fact, I brought something up. I'm not sure I got it right here on the other screen. Yeah, I want to read this one to you because I knew we would talk about gold. Sorry, I'm not looking at the camera, folks. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Russians are buying so much gold amid the ruble's collapse, that the central bank halted its own purchases from banks. <laughs> Russia's central bank is suspending purchases of gold from banks amid increased consumer demand. Now, this is something I've harped about for years called the run to gold. And when all else fails in the monetary system, you go to gold, not silver, gold. And this is what's happening in Russia. It's also happening to the best of my ability in Australia. I just finished an interview and it's only one data point, but they are big dealers and they got the pulse on their country. Mm -hmm. uh, Australia, no offense. I love, I've been there. I love them. I love South Africa. I love people. But Australia isn't the US. I mean, population wise, right? Yep. It's like Canada. It's not a really huge population base. It's a good landmass. The point I'm making is that they probably have a pretty good handle on the whole country. And the run to gold is beyond belief for them. <clears throat> and they've been in the bullion business for like two decades or more. 
So I believe it's happening. And you're seeing the price pressures to the upside, not the downside. You're also seeing the sell-offs based on the commander traders reports, where when the price does sell off, there aren't many of the speculators that are giving up their positions. They're holding strong. They're holding tough. So they can whack down the price like the whack-a-mole, but it does not uh, stay down very long. So I think that is game on. And I don't know the ultimate you know, end game. I don't think anyone really does. But I've never ruled out, and I used to think more so along these lines than I do now, that gold would definitely be part of the new monetary system. I'm not so convinced anymore, but it could be. It certainly could be either part of the new monetary system or maybe a transitory part of the new monetary system, or if there's a total breakup and the powers that be don't get it the way they want for whatever reason. You know, the cyber attack that they planned backfired on them. There are, you know, unattended consequences that take place. Life does have randomness. There is entropy. Things move more toward disorder than order. So all those things combined, it might be where a certain locality, you actually put yourself on your own local currency or your own uh, crypto or your own uh, gold and silver trade. So anyway, I got off track a bit. Gold, run the gold has started as far as I can tell. Now, where does that lead silver? Well, Silver really is the monetary metal of history, but most people don't know it and certainly are not taught that. So once gold gets through a certain threshold, it will be beyond control. Uh, it won't be as easily controlled, I'll put it that way. So the mainstream financial press will have to you know, talk about, oh, gold hit a new high. It's, uh, you know, it's over 2,000 ounce US. Uh, hey, John, what do you think about that? Well, I think gold is probably worth having some of it, but it's still a barbarous relic, and you know, therefore, blah 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 blah. You know, next, and then, but they can't; they have to mention, and then, of course, it keeps going on and on, and then silver will play catch up because it's such a small market, and the real knowledgeable people really would love to dive into silver, but they're scared of the repercussions. I mean, if you look at Warren Buffett. He moved into the silver market heavily at least twice, if not more than that. And in both instances, he sort of backed off. But uh, and then you take uh, the Guggenheim did an investment in silver in 2020. And I believe they dipped lion's share off of the SLV. It was the highest uh, institutional investment in the SLV ever. It was 320 million ounces. I'm not saying all of that was them. What I'm pointing out was it was a record. And this is in the pitifully small amount of currency. I want to try to go back to Warren Buffett. When Buffett bought 129.7 million ounces of silver, it represented around 20% of the world supply on the COMEX, or I should say 20% of the supply on the COMEX, not world supply. And that drove the price up three bucks, went from five to eight, backed off quickly. But that is, a small amount of currency because when Buffett put out their annual report, they didn't even put silver in the report. And wait a minute, how can you do that? They have to report ethically and honestly all their transactions. Well, the rules are if your purchase is less than 2% of your overall holdings, you can put it under a miscellaneous category, which is exactly what they did. They put it under miscellaneous. So think about that 20% or so of the COMEX silver supply represented less than 2% of Berkshire Hathaway way back in 1999, if it was report 2000. 
22 years ago. So that shows you how tiny the silver market is relative. So think when people get scared and the run to gold really starts, and there's twice as many people or institutions or pension funds or teachers' annuities or you know the the trucking company that you work for that's got a good boss and he's not so greedy and he does share with his employee, loves the people who work for him, and he set up some kind of a, you know of a situation where they can contribute to their own retirement. You know he's he's going to call up. he's going to call up somebody and say you know what how do we get into gold. You know, my people are losing their ass in this uh, money market account and they're complaining, you know. So I think it's just starting and I don't think it's going to be held back. I don't think it can stop it. And uh, once that the, the old idea that the excuse me, I'm excited, the old uh, adage that there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. And the idea is self-preservation rides above all else. You know, a lot of people kick back and let the government solve their problem. But in the bottom line, day to day, it's you. You are the one that's responsible for you. And people get that as a hard lesson sometimes. And if you are going to survive, you have to have more food. You have to have a currency that will be stable. You have to have something that you can barter. You have to be able to get out from under your rock and face reality. And the reality is becoming harsher all the time. Yeah. All right, end of rant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Um, you know, one of the 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 thoughts that I had too, and it's you know, and, and and tying it into like watching what people do instead of what they just say. I feel like maybe, and this was before the before twenty twenty even. Um, but I feel like with all the other things that are going on now, whether it be the Look, currencies for the most part was electronic. Then it moved to cryptocurrencies. You know, we were kind of already conditioned with credit cards and debit cards and just digits on a screen. Then it's to crypto and then it's more and NFTs, kind of fake stuff that you own in a, in a, in a different reality. And what I mean is it's not, you know, you can't feel it. Um, and, and then you're now, you know, folks are putting on goggles and that they're now in the metaverse, that kind of stuff. Um, it almost feels like the majority of folks are now drawn and marketed to that area. While if you look at what the folks are doing that are selling you this, they're getting buying real stuff. Here's an example. Mark Zuckerberg is selling you the metaverse while he's buying land and lots of it. And why he's buying lots of real things that you can touch and feel and hold in your own hand while he's trying to sell everyone to, you know, put on their goggles and, you know, party with Justin Bieber in the metaverse, right? Right. Well, yeah, I'd like to add a bit on to that. You know, if you go back to the book Brave New World and they had this drug Soma, right, where you could take enough, you could make you sleep, or but you, you had these feel good. And that's sort of a metaphor for this metaverse. I mean, basically, the powers that be want to direct us. And they're very good at it. And if you tell the average person on the street that's never listened to MC before, never heard of me, and I'm not talking about you and I, I'm talking about someone, could be anyone, James Corbett, that questions their paradigm, and they never had their, their paradigm questioned before, they'll just blow it off. Mm. They'll do, use the trigger word they were taught called conspiracy theory. They'll use that. They'll hide behind that. They'll be comfortable behind that, and they'll just move forward. So they'll never really be able to wake up. And we have a lot of people in that case. Now, do all of us in the alt media have it 100%? No, I think even James Corbett may be missing something. I don't know. 
Yep. But the idea is that we have a much better handle uh, on what's really going on. And so my metaphor of the powers that be want a substitute, a substitute really from my perspective, and you can, you know, push back, rat on, or argue, is the spiritual component that we don't talk about too much in finance. But, you know, there's this hunger that you'll find of normal people. I take a normal person that has huge success on the internet. And they go from, you know, let's say a $50,000 a year up to, uh, oh, let's make up a nice big number, uh, $1.5 million. That's a new paradigm for them. And all of a sudden, you know, after two years of that, they got the, you know, two, two you know, a luxury car, a sports car, the big house, a boat, ski vacations. But after a while, all that stuff starts to, like, it's not it. I'm not fulfilled. Well, what's missing? Well, it's a spiritual component of humanity. That's what's missing. Now, I'm not saying in all cases, I'm making up an, an example people can relate to. And that's what the powers that be know. So they want to give you a substitute. And the substitute in the book was this drug, but the substitute in our high-tech technology solves everything. Don't worry, we got a handle on it. Technocrats, and we're moving into technocracy. It's really not a totalitarian system from the aspect of it's just communist. It's really a technocratic system run by artificial intelligence. So I said all that to say this, they want to program you and let me restate that. They want to continue to program you and make sure that your solution is the stuff that they tell you it is, which means put on those goggles, go to Ready Player One, we'll play with Justin Bieber, eat that expensive food in your metaverse, come back and have, here's your ration because you were a bad boy. You burned up too much carbon last month. Yeah. No, absolutely. And you bring up a really good point. It's a spirit. It's there's a spiritual spiritual problem. And it's tough to have other solutions other than spiritual solutions to the core of, of, of what we're facing and what what we be, what we believe we're facing. And that's what I definitely think is is a is a play here, too. So um, it's definitely a, a spiritual war. Um, any comments on that? And also some solutions. What can folks potentially look at? Uh, positioning themselves or things that they should think about when they, when they, uh, I, I would say, build their ark and and fill their ark for some for this the the storms that are already here and 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 more storms to come. Yeah, MC, thanks for that. I would say oh, I'm going to take a page from your book. I think you hit it. You know, I love elegance means something very simple. You know, so keep it simple. So I suggest you get you know. The old old school, you know, get a sheet of paper, you know, draw a line down the middle. On the left side, put needs, and on the right side, put wants. And then on your needs, puts what are the most important needs you have. Well, we know air, food, water. Those are important. They're, they're neat. Shelter. But you might think about things on the spiritual side, like connection with family, friends, ability to help others, community, service to others, service to myself. And then you go on to the wants, you know, well, when you had that big car, when you started making all that money, it probably satisfied the hell out of you for the first couple of months, driving around, feeling like a big shot, showing off your friends. Oh, my God, I never thought you'd get a car like this. But those are things, you know, and the the best metaphor I can give you is that uh, in one of the spiritual trainings I took years ago, the question was brought up that someone that was really spiritually evolved could lose everything and still be themselves because we identify with what we have rather than what we are. 
So I'd say stay simple, stay grounded, be real, buy real, get real. Um, there are people that are relatively poor right now that will be pillars of strength for themselves and their communities because of what they have internally, spiritually lighting the world, so to speak. Whereas there'll be people that will rate on a monetary sphere at a very high level that will crumble under any pressure whatsoever. So remember, the human experience is more than what we have. It's more about what we are. And at the end of the day, it's your memories. How much happiness did you bring? How much um, ability to make people think and really get away from the belief system? How much do we contribute? And just in our day-to-day affairs, do we really take time to look people in the eye? Do we really try to connect with them heart to heart? Do we really care about them or are we just pretending to say, how are you? I mean, all these things that play into the ability for us to really be more conscious, more alive, more fulfilled, and more in the moment that we have. You know, the old adage that, you know, why they call it the present, you know, because the past is gone, the future doesn't exist, all we have is the now and the present, and most people cannot be in the now. They're too far in the future or too far in the past. And if you're really present, and you look at that as a gift, and you're in the presence of someone else, be present in that presence. I know that's a lot. You didn't expect it out of me, but I think that the simpler, the better. People are go through their whole lives and never really lived, and that really, really, really bothers me. No, absolutely, and really appreciate that. Um, where can folks learn more about you? What's the main contact point if they just want to sign up for your newsletter or, or just follow you and, and just stay in contact or just uh, informed of all the great pieces of information that you keep putting out. Uh, You're definitely on purpose and serving a lot of folks during some very interesting times. I've really appreciated uh, having you back on. Where can folks reach uh, reach out and stay in touch? You bet. The main website is themorganreport.com. And there's a bunch of tabs up there. You can go through the blog. You can go through the subscribe button if you want to get involved with the making money in the resource sector. There's an about tab that I encourage everybody that's because MC, I think we've only talked to each other twice. Mm-hmm. You go to the about tab. There's my biography. whoop de do But as uh, you scroll down, there is a movie called The Four Horsemen. And that is a movie that I think everybody should watch or maybe even watch twice. Yep. I just had Stephen, Dr. Stephen Lee, the complete investor, Manhattan guy. We got along just fine. And uh, he watched the movie and he was uh, singing high. I'm in it, but it's not about me. It's a much bigger context. And there's several people that are well known uh, that have uh, statements in that movie that really make you think. And it's uh, going back to uh, the idea that there are cycles in life. And this cycle that we're in right now has been here, has happened before. We do get through it. There is some pain and anguish, but it's part of the process of the cycles that humanity goes through. We are at the end of the age of empire. It is ending. The American empire is crumbling. There will be a new system. And what we really want is that we have a say in it. We don't need the uh, programming that we get on a daily basis from the mainstream media. And of course, people like you, myself, James Corbett, I mean, go on and on that have push back and give it an alternate perspective uh, and get people to think, what do they really value? What do they really want? What do they really need? 
to take and make a difference. I have to laugh and laugh in a not humorous, but in a joyful way of how many people are out there now, young, just brilliant uh, beings that are just full of fire telling everybody what really is going on. I mean, when I started, uh, you know, I told people that the Federal Reserve was a private corporation, but there was no internet. There was no cell phone. I'd actually show them the seal of a corporation. They still thought it was full of crap. Now there isn't anybody on the internet that doesn't know that the Federal Reserve is a private corporation. So there is progress. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. Always have have a blast uh, speaking with you and and providing so much value for all of our listeners and our viewers, David. My pleasure, MC. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending most valuable resource, your time with me for another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. Everything in the Cashflow Ninja universe is at CashflowNinja.com. That's CashflowNinja.com. And again, don't forget to grab a copy of my book, The 21 Best Cashflow Niches. It's available on Amazon.com or CashflowNinja.com. When you purchase a copy, please screenshot a proof of your purchase. Send it to my team at info at CashflowNinja.com, and you will get a digital version, an audio version, a curated library of folks talking about Uh, the niches, and more bonus goodies. Until next time, live infinitely. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.